Hello, and welcome to Your Life Rocks. This is the podcast that equips working Christian moms to create balance, clear chaos, and reach goals in all areas of your life. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, your host and fellow working mom, and I am so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. You know, today's episode is a special episode because we're kicking off a four-part series. Let's face it, we are in the dead of summer, and it is a perfect time to relax, and do something a little bit different. Now, typically our podcast episodes are jam-packed with tips and hacks and things to help you create more balance in your life. We always want them to be very actionable for you. And if that's what you're looking for, I invite you to go back and listen to some of our past episodes. As you're looking through the directory, you'll see it in brackets if it says parenting or marriage or health or finances, and that will let you know what area of life we're focusing in on for that episode. Now, for this episode and the three episodes after this, We are really diving into our faith in a different way. I have guests coming on that are talking about the things that God is doing in their life. It's their testimony. Over this series, you're going to be hearing from women that have a vast array of different backgrounds, a vast array of different experiences and the way that God has shown up. But all of them, it's been a bit miraculous. And so I'm really excited to share all of those stories with you through this podcast. This is your very first time listening to Your Life Rocks podcast. I want to welcome you to the show. I hope that you, I want to invite you to join our free Facebook community. You can find it by going to yourliferocks.com and clicking on the community button, or you can just search Your Life Rocks in Facebook, find us and join that group. And for all of our regular returning listeners, I hope that this series, this four-part series, really blesses you. For me, doing these interviews with these women has really blessed me. And going back and listening to these episodes as I'm editing them, it's blessed me even more and just been further proof in the way that God shows up and he cares for each and every single one of us. Now, before we get into today's episode and today's testimony, first, I should let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Life Balance Membership. Yep, it's the membership that goes right along with your life rocks. Inside of that membership, it really provides all three of our pillars for creating more balance in your life. Number one, more Jesus. Right now, we are in the middle of our summer Bible study that all of the members are doing together inside of our Facebook community, and it has been great. The second pillar, of course, is community and really keeping your world a bit bigger. And we do that in a number of ways. At Your Life Rocks, we donate 10% of all of the revenue that comes in each and every single month to A21 Campaign. Now, if you're not familiar with this charity, it is a charity to stop human trafficking across the world. And you can find out more about that by going to yourliferocks.com or a21campaign.org. Another way we do that is by just praying for each other in community and getting to know one another. You know, when our world is bigger, our problems are smaller and the overwhelm seems, well, less overwhelming. And of course, number three, our systems. Um, And for us in our Life Balance membership, systems are everything. And that is where exclusively you will find the Life Balance course to really help you set those goals, God-centered goals, to help you create more balance in your life. But even bigger than that, we teach the system that are going to drive healthy habits, things that will help you move forward in all areas of your life. If you are new, we're talking about about your faith, your marriage, parenting, career, health, home, finances, and lastly, friends and fun. For more information on Life Balance Membership, please visit lifebalancemembership.com or you can go to yourliferocks.com and click on Life Balance Membership. We would love to extend to you a special offer of seven-day free trial where you can come into the group, get some of the awesome extras that we have going on for summer, and we have some really great stuff coming up for back to school. So I don't want you to miss out on any of that. So start your free seven-day membership 
today. All right, today's episode, I am so excited to bring this to you. You know, when I first was talking to our guest about coming on and sharing her story, we were really talking about her battle with infertility and all of the struggles that it took for her to get her miracle baby after nine years of trying for a child. But as the story unfolds, it really is a redemption story about love. Of course, love for her baby that God gave her, but also redemption of love through a second marriage after a divorce and after a lot of struggle and heartache that she had with herself and that she had with God. So I hope this testimony blesses you in so many different ways. So without further ado, let's get in with our conversation with fellow working mom, Kayla Brizzy. So Miss Kayla, you are very busy with your family and all of this other beautiful stuff, but then you have like all these different businesses that you do. So tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're about. Sure. So I run two businesses. I have my separate business, which is a coaching business where I coach women in business. And I have a second business with my husband where we are rental property investors. So basically in a nutshell, we're landlords. And with our rental properties, we have Uh, we have two properties with six units total. So between me running my business and running quote unquote, the family business, I keep very busy on top of the house and my son and helping my dad who's been going through cancer treatments for the last year. So it's, it's pretty insane. And in the works this year, we are actually working on, I think one to two more businesses and a nonprofit that my husband really wants to start. It's never ending. (laughs) It is a lot, you know, and that's so funny because it's one of the things I love about these podcast episodes is hearing your story, hearing your testimony, getting to know you. But the thing that I think is so beautiful is everyone has their own individual journey, yet we can all relate to things, even if it's not exactly our situation. Because I think most listeners are like, yeah, I've got like a bazillion things I'm balancing at the same time too. But that's what this show is all about, is helping to empower women to find those positives, to find the beauty in the chaos, and to really help them create that balance. So with a young little boy, I'm a mom of boys, so I know kind of the craziness of, of having young boys <laughs> and balancing everything else. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you define balance for yourself. Oh, goodness. Balance for me is, quite honestly, in simple terms, for me to not feel like a hot mess. So I really need to have my faith, my family life, and my business life just all balanced and intertwined. There are days I won't lie that I feel like I'm falling short in some areas, but I know that when I have balance where my, my faith is first and foremost, I'm bringing in my family life, my business will always be third. And so when I have them in that order and prioritize those, I feel more in balance and less of a hot mess. When I put more emphasis on my business and less on my faith or more emphasis on my family and less on my faith, I still feel, I feel so out of balance. I feel out of alignment. And so part of me is really, I have to get back into alignment. It's like, okay, what did I not do today? (laughs) Where, where did I fall short? How can I get back on track so that I can just really feel more at peace? Because me feeling like a hot mess means I'm on edge. My anxiety is high. I'm probably short with my son more than likely, I'm a little short-tempered with my husband, and he's looking at me like, what is going on with you? And I'm like, <laughs> I just blame, I would just tell him, I'm a woman, I have hormones. And he just kind of rolls his eyes at me. So it, it's in those moments where I'm like, okay, did I do my mindset routine? Did I spend enough time with God today? Did I 
sit down and actually listen and do my meditation for long enough? Did I hear everything that he needed to say? You know, and most often it's usually no, I didn't. I was rushed or I got sidetracked. And so it's just bringing myself back to my usual morning routine, which is part of my mindset and my prayer and meditation. And my, and honestly, my time with God is really part of my mindset routine. So it's very much a part of my life. And if I don't do it first thing in the morning, my whole day is just kind of uh, crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Having a little man around some days, my, my days are on his time. And so it's like, okay, if I get him off to my sister's and before I hop on a client call, then I can try and do like my mindset routine. So I try and be flexible, but I know that I have to do it at some point in time to get myself back on track and feeling a little bit more balanced for the day. Oh, totally. Like that grounding, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I need to have that grounding first thing in the morning to help me be able to process everything. It just puts my mind in the right order. It helps me with the right priorities. And life is just a lot easier. And I always tell people, number one secret to balance is bringing more Jesus into your life because uh -huh. it, everything is just easier if he's involved. And it makes it so that we can carry our heavier load and start all these new business ventures and nonprofits and care for a two and a half year old boy at the same time and do all of the amazing superwoman things that you're doing. So I love that you shared that with us. Thank you. So Ms. Kayla, I'm super excited to hear from you and your story. I mean, kind of like I said in the beginning, everyone has their own journey that we're on. And I think that there's just so much encouragement knowing that we're not the only one who's facing a struggle or even overcoming it. One of my favorite quotes is um, a Helen Keller quote, and it says, the world is full of suffering, but it's also full of overcoming it. And I think that that is such a beautiful testimony to what God can really do in our lives. And so I'm really um, encouraged to hear your story and what you're going to be sharing with us. I know it really has a lot to do with your family um, and how it kind of came into creation. So um, share with us a little bit about what your story is and what you're going to be talking with us. Sure. So today I want to share with you actually my nine-year journey to parenthood. And the reason it took me nine years is because I struggled with infertility. And actually, I still really do struggle with infertility. It's a misconception that once you have a baby, when you have infertility, it's like you no longer have infertility. And that's not true. I can tell you that I still struggle with infertility. But my nine-year journey, um, it really started with my ex-husband. And started back in 2005, shortly after I was married, which is crazy to think where I am now. <laughs> Never in a million years did I really think that this was going to be possible because I, I truly did uh, lose hope. I lost faith and it's been an evolving journey. Mm. I thank you so much for sharing so transparently just about, you know, it being a journey of taking so long and, and losing faith, because I think sometimes that's part of the story that we don't always want to tell, especially as Christian women, that we, that we do kind of struggle sometimes with that piece. So you said this kind of started nine years ago um, with your first marriage. Was it kind of an expectation for you guys that you would have kids right away? Or what was that first marriage kind of like for you in relationship to parenting? Well, we both come from larger families. I have, uh, <laughs> I have five girls in my family, actually six. We have a sister that is an angel. So my parents had six girls and my ex-husband actually came from a family of eight children and um, they had three angels. So there was actually supposed to be 11 in his family. So we're both Catholic families, Catholic families, you know, we have, we have large families. So it was an expectation that we were going to have kids and we both wanted kids right away. So 
when we got married, it was shortly after we were casually trying to conceive. We were in the mindset that, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if not, we're okay. And then starting in March is where we really got serious about trying for a baby. And so of course we were getting that pressure from both sides of the family. You know, when you're going to have a baby, when you're going to start your family, how many kids do you want? I mean, it's the normal questions anytime a young couple gets married. I mean, sure. So we were, I mean, that's what we wanted. I mean, we wanted a young married couple and have a family. And so it was in alignment with us anyway. So we didn't really think too much about the questions until those questions kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And the pressure of me not being able to conceive, I knew that there was just something wrong. There was just something that just, something just wasn't right. And so against my husband's wishes, I actually went and saw a specialist and I'm like, you know, it's been six months that we've been trying. I'm not pregnant. Can you just take a look? Just take a look at me. (laughs) Tell me if there's anything wrong or help me out because something just I don't know. There's just like intuitively something just wasn't feeling right. So after we did that, I ended up, I was diagnosed with uh, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I was told that, you know, you can just want some medication. We'll put you on birth control and help manage your cycles. And you'll go off after like two or three months and you should be able to get pregnant. Mm, No, that didn't work. (laughs) Didn't work at all. Like not at all. So After that, I ended up, I found uh, a specialist when I was actually living in Florida with my ex-husband and uh, the specialist, he was great. And we started different rounds of treatment with like Clomid. We had me looking at trying to chart my cycles and we did nine months of that with Clomid. And that was like the most excruciating nine months ever. I hated those nine months. I hated myself. I gained nearly 90 pounds in like a month and I'm 5'2". So I was like 5'2 and 200 pounds. I was about as wide as I was tall. It was horrible. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good. And he's like, oh, well, some people have a reaction to the medication that way. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great and all, but I don't want to be feeling uncomfortable with my skin when I'm already struggling to try and conceive and be intimate with my husband. Like, this just doesn't work. So <laughs> we went through all that route. I mean, I even, I remember, which I'm so ashamed of this, but this is the reality and this will transfer. I remember telling my ex-husband, like, I hated him. I wanted a divorce. Like, there's no way that I ever was going to give him a baby. And it was just horrible. I was on an emotional roller coaster from hell. And that is like best way to explain it. I don't know how that man stayed with me for as long as I did because the hormones that I was getting made me like psychotic. I swear it was horrible. And so after we did those nine months of treatments, I looked at them like, I'm not doing that again. We're done with that medication. I can't be so unpredictable and have my hormones all over the place where I was crying all the time, having this weight gain. Him and I were arguing, like our relationship was, wasn't great. And so I'm like, nope, we're done. We're just, (laughs) we're done. And shortly after we were done with our cycling with that fertility specialist, we actually moved home back to Wisconsin because his mom was actually experiencing or going through breast cancer. We both had sisters that were pregnant. Uh, The babies weren't doing well and our sisters weren't doing well. So we didn't know what was going on there. So after almost four years of living in Florida, we decided to come home and (laughs) Here we are still in central Wisconsin. And shortly after that, I found a specialist locally. And then we started treatments there. And the saga continues. That's amazing. (laughs) So kind of going back to that nine-month period of time. So you're away from your family. Mm -hmm. I know just from some friends, and and correct me if your experience was any different, um, but 
when they went to, when they were having trouble conceiving and they went to a specialist and um, my friend actually had uh, the same thing as you, PCO, I always say it wrong. Whenever it's an acronym, I put the letters in the wrong order. PCOS. Yes. So she had PCOS as well. And I just remember her crying about it over the phone and just feeling like such a failure as a woman, Mm -hmm. as a wife. And just, it really hit her really core deep about what her responsibilities were, um, even from a biblical perspective and not being able to fulfill them. But then at the same time, I can only imagine if, if you had those same feelings. Well, did you have kind of similar? I did. It was horrible. I mean, I actually got the call from my doctor while I was at my job, sitting at my desk with my boss a few feet away from me being told like, you have PCOS, you're never going to have children on your own. You're going to need to seek support in order to be able to conceive. And I remember hanging up the phone and I just started crying and my boss is looking at me like I was crazy. And so thankfully it was a woman. <laughs> so I was able to kind of open up and tell her and, you know, she was, felt bad for me. And she's like, you know, go home, go home and tell your husband. I'm like, yeah, like I really want to tell him this. But I did. I mean, I felt like a failure. I felt like I was the worst wife possible. I just so many emotions. I mean, just so many emotions about it. It just hits you to the core when you want to be a mom so badly and you're being told that it's probably not going to happen. Or if it does, you're going to have to seek help and it's not guaranteed, which I mean, let's be honest, there's no guarantee that anyone can be a mom, but my chances were a lot less. Mm. And it was just, it was horrible. And knowing that my husband really wanted a big family, I should say my ex-husband wanted a big family. He wanted to have a family of like eight or 10. That was his big dream. Like he always joked that he wanted to have a baseball team. He wanted to have a large enough family for a baseball team. We were both huge into baseball. And so me having to tell him this just really broke his heart. And seeing the look on his face is what really crushed me more. It's just like, I knew that I couldn't give him something that he wanted the most. Mm. And that was probably the most earth shattering. And at the time, I didn't know any friends that were going through infertility. No one in my family on either side of my parents' family struggled with infertility. No one on his side of the family. Like I was just literally just alone. And here I was in this new town, which I had some friends, but none of the friends that I had met had struggled. So it was just, I felt, I felt really alone. I felt abandoned. I felt less like a woman. Yeah. It was just, it was not a good time for me. Mm. It was a very, those nine years were a very dark nine years of my life. It was, I struggled when I found out someone was pregnant. I struggled when I saw people pregnant. I just, I would cry. I would just cry all the time especially when friends would do announcements on Facebook or uh, they would send me a text message saying, Hey, I'm pregnant. And I, you know, it's, it's not that I wasn't happy for them, but I was so sad and so frustrated that it wasn't happening for me. And just, I knew that the possibilities of me being able to conceive were going to be low. And it's just, I felt just hopeless. I really Mm. did. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, I know like it's not easy to kind of look back at some of those dark times, but just being able to share that. And if you're listening to this podcast right now and and listening to Kayla's story, I mean, like I said, everyone has their own journey and this is certainly Kayla's journey. But I think, you know, whether we have struggled with infertility or not, I think we all have those moments in time where things just seem really dark and we feel so utterly alone um, you know, and even just thinking about this, knowing that we know what the end is with Manny and, and, and the future that God was holding for you. Um, you know, I think it's such a promise that if someone right now is going through a similar dark time, 
knowing that there's a promise of a future of something that God is holding for them. And it might look completely different than they might expect in that moment. Um, but I think that having that hope of things that, that could be is amazing. Now, when you were in that time, was there any hope at all? Or, or did you just kind of feel like it's just dark and lonely? It was just really dark and lonely. I felt pretty much like a hamster on a wheel, just going about my day. You know, I honestly, I really lost my faith for <laughs> pretty much that whole entire nine years. I was really frustrated. Um, there was actually a time that I really became really angry with God and which is so bad for me to say, but I was like cursing him. I, I just couldn't understand. I was frustrated. I was angry. I'm like, why? Why is it that all these other people, women that don't even want to have children are able to have children. And I am sitting here trying my hardest to have a baby and I can't. Like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't put my head around it. I couldn't fathom it. I'm like, and I kept asking, what did I do wrong? Like, why am I, did I upset you? Like, why am I not having this miracle child? Why can I not conceive? And so I actually stopped going to church and I stopped praying and I, I really fell away from my faith in my, in my church. And just really for a very long time, I was very angry with God about this whole situation. I was not, um, going out, I really became more of an introvert, which is funny to me because I'm very much an extrovert, but I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just became a hermit. I struggled to really communicate with my husband and connect with him. We were always fighting, although most people didn't know that because we always did it behind closed doors, but we really didn't have the best of marriage. And which is probably why it became a shock to my family when I told them that I was getting a divorce <laughs> because on the outside, everything was rainbows and unicorns. We were the perfect couple, but at home, we were far from it, very far from it. <laughs> now, how much did your family know about your, your struggles with infertility? I mean, were they aware of, I mean, obviously a, a huge physical change with the weight gain and with the treatments and that kind of a thing. I mean, were they aware with how much it was hurting you emotionally? I want to say that they did, but I don't think they really understood and knew. I mean, they knew about my infertility and what I was going through. You know, they would say, you know, good luck when I would go to all my appointments and treatments. But quite honestly, until you go through it, you don't really know. <laughs> it's hard to offer that support when, when they've been able to conceive or when they can't experience or, or really know what I was going through, especially with getting the injections that I was receiving with hormones. And I mean, it was, in, it was insane my hormones were all over the place. So I could be fine one minute and the next minute I'd be crying. And then two minutes later, I would just be like furious and angry. And that's how my emotional roller coaster went literally for like nine years. It, it seriously amazes me when I think back of how emotionally traumatic this whole experience was for me with, with just everything going on. So as much as my family tried to support me, they did the best that they could. But wasn't enough? Probably not because no one could really understand what I was going through. And, you know, even my ex-husband at the time, he was trying to be supportive, but he really had no idea because, you know, he's not a woman and he wasn't going through everything I was going through of getting lab work done and getting poked and prodded and tested and surgeries. And he was just there. Right. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this right now and maybe they haven't gone through this type of a situation, but maybe they know someone who is currently, maybe it's a sister or a friend. Um, because even for me, like sometimes when um, I see someone posting, 
you know, like around April Fool's Day, there was like a lot of posts like don't mm-hmm. post fake pregnancies because it yes. hurts people. Yes. Um, but if you don't go through it, you don't really realize some of those things. Like it just doesn't click for you. So what advice would you give to someone who's listening right now and they've never experienced this, but maybe they know someone who has, and maybe they're nervous about telling their friend that they're pregnant or might be pregnant because they don't want to hurt them. Or like, what advice would you give for them and how they can best support the people in their lives? The biggest tip is just show compassion. That is the biggest thing. Um, you know, the April Fool's jokes, oh man, those always used to get me every year. And I would, I would avoid being on social media on April Fool's Day <laughs> because people don't understand. Now, now it doesn't bother me as much, but it still triggers me to an, to an extent that I know that there's other women out there that those types of posts really, really do hurt. So the, just show compassion. I mean, be honest. Um, I know that when some of my friends, even recently, that some of my friends have become pregnant, they were they were nervous to tell me that they were pregnant because they know that I'm I'm trying to conceive for baby number two. And again, we have no idea if it's going to happen, and we're praying that God will show us grace again and provide us another miracle. But they were nervous, and so, but the way that they went about it was just really be compassionate and to really just kind of soften the blow a little bit and not be so over the top, like, Hey, I'm pregnant, you know, and like be all glitz and glammed about it. They brought it down into a level where it was more, you know, I know what you're going through and I understand, you know, I have something I really want to share with you, but I want you to understand that it's, it's not my way to hurt you or anything like that. And it was just a really compassionate way to really connect with me and explain what they were going through. And it's interesting to me that they felt (laughs) that they couldn't tell me, even though I'm still going through the thing, but it's because they knew they were too struggling to conceive. And so they came at me with a different perspective, showing that compassion and not being so boisterous about being pregnant, but sharing their story, just that compassion and just being sincere about it. I think that that's very helpful because there is, there's, and it's the same with a lot of different things. Like, I mean, I've had friends who have lost kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just knowing like, you know, what is the right thing to say and how do you go about that kind of stuff? I think it's one of those things that we're all, all just trying to figure mm-hmm. out and best being able to support those people around us. So I appreciate those tips. So sure. of course, those were nine really dark years. You guys moved back um, mm-hmm. home to Wisconsin. There was a lot of other stuff going on there. But we do know that there was a turn to this story. So, yes. so after you guys moved back to Wisconsin, how long before you, you guys decided that it just wasn't working out marriage-wise? Uh, we were actually divorced in December of 2012. Uh, let's see. So we moved back. Let me think about this. We moved back to Wisconsin in August of 2008. So just a little over four years after we had moved back. So I was married to my ex-husband for seven years and with him for 10. So I gave him 10 whole good years in my life. (laughs) And so we called it quits in December of 2012. And ironically, this is actually where my story kind of (laughs) shifts. In January of 2013 is where I reconnected with my current husband. And long story short, I actually met my current husband at my younger sister's birthday party. They were, I have younger sisters that are twins. We had a big celebration out at the local bars for them because they, I think at the time it was like their 22nd or 23rd birthday or something to that effect. And I had my sister's friend uh, that's actually an African that she met back in school. He actually was in town and he brought his friends out, which happened to be my current husband. And so I met my my current husband while I was still married to my ex-husband. And the funny thing is, is I 
was so upset with him because I thought he was rude. He wouldn't talk to me. I was like trying to be friendly because he was new. He didn't know any of us. And I'm just a very friendly person. And he would never look at me. And I'm like, man, this guy is like the rudest thing ever. So my first impression of my current husband was that he was a jerk. He was, he was, <laughs> he was stuck up. like, I was so mad that he wasn't giving me any time of day. Come to find out he wasn't giving me the time of day. He wasn't looking at me in my eye. It was one culturally because I was married. And at the time, we, my ex-husband and I had actually gone through a whole series of looking at doing artificial insemination. We looked at doing in vitro, which that was against the Catholic Church, so we decided to not do that. We looked at, or let's see, I did, I think, three surgeries at the time, several rounds of additional treatment with this new specialist, and then we were at the point that we were looking at adoption. And so, of course, we were, the big talk was, well, why don't you adopt from Africa? And, you know, so he knew, like, my current husband knew that that was something that my ex-husband and I were talking about at the time. And so when we reconnected in January 2013, he just happened to message me on Facebook almost exactly a year to the date and just kind of checked in. He's like, hey, how are you and your husband? Were you able to adopt a baby? And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I haven't talked to you in a year. You were like the biggest jerk when I met you. Why are you asking if, I'm, if I adopted a baby? And I was just so upset. So being snarky that I am and sassy, I'm like, I'm not even married anymore. I just got divorced and no, I didn't adopt a baby. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was, I was like annoyed. I was seriously annoyed that he reached back out to me. But funny story is, is he kept coming at, you know, he kept messaging me and it was intriguing me. And I'm like, what does this man want? Like he ended up, he asked me out on a date. And so I agreed. So I was like, okay, I'll just go on this date with this guy because I'm tired of him pestering me. And so we went on a date. And I kid you not, but on our first date, we just, we soulfully connected. I mean, I have never been more in tune with someone in my entire life. He actually kissed me on our first date and I got weak in the knees and I fell. He actually had to catch me. And that's no lie. Aww. That's the truth. It's so crazy. We are just like, we were meant for each other. It's insane. And it's so funny to think that I thought he was the biggest jerk. I didn't want to give him the time of day. I thought that he was like the worst compatible person for me ever. And it turns out he's the most compatible for me. And so that next day after my first date with him, I told my younger sister, I said, you know, you mark my words. I'm going to marry that man someday. And she, she looked at me and she goes, you're crazy. You just got divorced. You're vulnerable. You're emotional. Like you just were with your ex-husband for 10 years. Like you need to be single for a while. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm telling you, there's something different about this man. I'm like, I'm going to marry him. I just know it. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am going to marry this man. And really the rest is history with that, with our, our love story. We, we fell madly in love and talked about family and, and all of that good stuff. And it ended up being, he graduated from college and decided that he needed to go on what I call his eat, pray, love uh, journey. So he ended up going to Switzerland for three months. And while he was in Switzerland, I ended up having a surgery that was unplanned. It was an emergency surgery because I had a cyst that was causing me a ton of pain. And so I here I go into surgery. My, my boyfriend is overseas. <laughs> we are madly in love, talking about family, you know, all that good stuff. Come to find out during my surgery, uh, supposed to be a routine surgery to just remove a cyst. My specialist had to actually remove my entire right side. So he removed my, my ovary, my tube, because somehow I got some sort of an infection or something that my entire right side was all scar tissue and everything was just like webbed together. It was just a big mass, a big pile. So he had to remove all of that. And 
to hit me even harder, he then had to tell me that my left tube was completely blocked and that I was never going to be able to conceive unless I went and had surgery to repair the tube that he was not able to repair because he wasn't the type of specialist that could do that. So wow, um, I know here I am with my mom in the hospital bed next to me or in the chair next to me while I'm in the hospital bed being delivered this news again that, okay, there's absolutely no way scientifically, medically that you are ever going to conceive. And I had the lovely joy of being able to tell my boyfriend who I was in a new relationship with, he's overseas in Switzerland, talking to him via Skype to tell him, you know, I know that we talked about having a family and you know my situation of infertility in the past, but here's what I just found out. I, I'm not going to be able to have kids. And so it was a turning point for us that it was, I literally gave him the ultimatum, like, you can stay with me or you can go. I know that you, <laughs> you're African and you want to have a large family and I'm not going to be able to provide that for you. And so I basically was giving him his out. Like a freedom. To, yeah. yeah. To just, to just leave me. And, and uh, if you wanted to stay in Switzerland, to stay in Switzerland. And if not, then he knew where to find me. And so that was probably like the worst conversation we ever had to have. And knowing that I had to do it via Skype <laughs> was just even more painful. But he ended up, he came home from Switzerland. And shortly after he came home from Switzerland, he ended up, you know, he told me, he's like, Kayla, you know, as God is my witness, if you are meant to be a mom, you will be. And he, he would tell me that all the time. He Amen. Always, yeah. He always firmly believed that I would always be a mom. Even before I told him, after my devastating blows and news from the, the surgeon, he's like, it doesn't matter to me. You will be a mom. You will be a mom. And so my husband being the very devout Catholic that he is, he actually used to take the rosary that I gifted him and he would place it on my, my stomach every morning. He always thought that I was sleeping, but I'm sorry, you're putting a cold rosary on my stomach. I'm going to wake <laughs> up. But I always just let him just do his thing. And I'm like, just do what you got to do. And so I let him pray. And so he would always pray over my belly. And obviously he was always praying for me to be a mom. So he would do that every morning, every morning, every morning. And so come, let me think about this. Come January of 2014, I actually was talking to him again. I said, you know, I just, I don't know. Do I go have the surgery and go to, we'd actually have to go to Omaha, Nebraska to have my surgery and it wasn't going to be covered by my doctors. And so I was really struggling what to do. And so you know, I'm like, do I have the surgery or, you know, do I just give up, just let things be? And, you know, and he's like, Kayla, you just need to pray on it. And he's, my husband, you just need to pray on it, Kayla, just pray on it. And I'm like, oh, I get to be so, I'm one of those ones that I'm like, I have to just do something. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in prayer, but it's like, sometimes I'm like, I just want to take the reins. And so that's where I always struggle. My husband's very good about just praying and letting it go. And for me, I'm like, okay, I need to have some sort of control over this. <laughs> like, give me some sort of control. And so actually in February of 2014, I remember I was driving home and I was having one of those, what I call coming to Jesus moments. And I just broke down. And I remember I, it was in that moment that I just finally said, you know what, God, I, I'm done. I'm tired of this stress. It's gone, you know, <laughs> nine years that I've been dealing with this. Like, I'm just, I'm done. Like, I, if you want me to be a mom, it's up to you because I'm done worrying about it. I'm done trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. If I'm supposed to go have this surgery, give me a sign. If I'm supposed to just give up and live my life and actually just be happy, give me a sign. Like, just, just give me some sort of a sign. Like, so it was just, ugh, it was a difficult moment for me, but it was, it was finally, I'm like, you know what? It, it, this burden is yours. I'm, I'm done. I'm done having this control. 
And ironically then in March, we actually conceived. And in April is when I found out that I was expecting and it was completely unexpected. I remember telling a coworker that <laughs> I was feeling really sick and uh, the girls were hurting and I just couldn't shake this. And I'm like, man, I just don't know what's going on with me. Like, I'm so tired. And she looked at me and she's like, Kayla, have you taken a pregnancy test? And I remember telling her, you know, me being sassy and snarky, I'm like, um, no, why would I do that when I can't have a baby? So why waste money and go have a pregnancy test? I can't be pregnant. And she's laughing at me. And she's like, Kayla, you have all the symptoms of a pregnancy. And I'm like, whatever, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> so I let that mull over, you know, for the rest of the day, because we were talking about it at lunch. And I was like, you know, maybe I need to go get a pregnancy test. And then I remember sitting there and I was so upset. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go waste another $20 on a stupid pregnancy test that's going to tell me no. And I've already wasted how much money in the past because I would always have to take pregnancy tests before every, uh, every treatment and whatnot to make sure that we weren't already pregnant. And so I wasted so much money on pregnancy tests. So I was, I was upset with myself. I was ticked that I was actually going to go buy myself a pregnancy test. And it happened to be, I waited to take it. I think I ended up waiting to take it so that I could do it when uh, my current husband wasn't home. He was going out with the guys. There was, I don't know, one of the Africans was home and all the guys were going out. So I figured I would do it then when he wasn't home so that I could just cry and give myself some space and whatnot after I saw the negative uh, pregnancy test, because let's be honest, that's where I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's amazing. Just like in that moment, just to think about I mean, because we, we talk a lot about expectations. Yes. And so just to think about like the expectations of, I can't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it's like impossible, but yet there had to been some glimpse of like, maybe possibly yeah. because you bought it one. Yep. I went and bought one. So I was like, well, maybe my coworker really is right. I mean, the girl's hurt. I've been really sick. Like I don't have the flu. Like there's no, ex I couldn't figure it out. And so I went and bought one just because I was curious. I was more curious than anything else. I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it is. But I still was like so stubborn. I'm like, it's going to be negative. So I don't know why I'm getting so excited about it or why I'm being nervous. And I was like trying to like talk myself out of it. And so after I took the task because he was gone and I remember sitting on the edge of the tub and I was like swaying back and forth, you know, waiting my minute or two, whatever I had to wait. And as I, my timer went off, I remember like still sitting on the tub, but like peeking up at my sink and trying to like view. And I saw the two lines and I'm like, huh, well, that can't be right. And so I stood up and I looked again. I'm like, oh, it does see. I'm like, okay, I must've read these directions wrong. Like this can't be right. And so <laughs> I pulled out the directions on the box and I reread them and it, to like reconvince myself that what I was seeing was really what, what was really there. And it really was that I was pregnant. And as soon as I finally had the realization that it, that it really was positive, I just, I broke down and I just cried and I cried and I cried. And then I started just this whole feelings of just overwhelm and sheer panic came over me because now knowing like, okay, I was never supposed to get pregnant. Now I am. Now I was worried about this baby. How did I get pregnant? And was I going to be able to keep this baby? Was I going to be able to keep him safe? Was I going to be safe? because I had no idea. <laughs> and so it went from being, you know, totally upset and just being like annoyed that I had to take this test to being curious to being like pure shock to now panic. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many emotions that I went through in a span of like five minutes, but it was the most amazing moment ever.
It really was. And I didn't tell my current husband at the time. I waited till the next morning when I actually called uh, my fertility specialist and <laughs> I told her, and I'm like, you know, you're never going to believe this. And you're probably going to just both fall over when I tell you, but so I'm pregnant. <laughs> and so I'm thinking you probably want me to come in for lab work and to kind of check me out. So can you give me a call back? And it was a weekend and she called me back and she's like, Kayla, you're pregnant. I said, yeah, I, I don't really know how, I mean, aside from the obvious, but yeah, so I'm pregnant. So what would you like me to do? And so she got me in for lab work and, and everything. And she's like, I just don't even know how this is even possible. She's like, Kayla, there's four specialists. You had four specialists. Every single one of us agreed that there is no way scientifically, medically that you would ever be able to conceive without having that surgery. And she's like, and I know you didn't go have the surgery because I just saw you. And I'm like, I didn't have a surgery. I didn't, I didn't do anything. She's like, and there's, there's only one thing. This is, this is your miracle. You received that miracle. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm okay. My baby's going to be okay. <laughs> That's amazing. So in that entire span of time, so from yep. all those years ago of being so upset and mad at God, Mm -hmm. Like arguing with him, cursing with him, just, and then like being done, walking away and then having that moment so many years later where you just kind of broke down and started praying. So was there anything that kind of like happened in between that or were you just completely like just shut off religiously? Like just faith no, was good, nothing. Yeah, no, that's a good point to mention. So, uh, after, let's see. After my big surgery that I had where they moved my right side and I was then diagnosed with <laughs> endometriosis and I found out I had adrenal fatigue and all that fun stuff. I mean, it's just a hot mess. I, uh, my husband, my now husband came home from Switzerland and with him, we actually started going back to church. And so he reintroduced me back into my faith. And when he and I first started dating back in January of 2013, I wanted to get back into my faith, but I was quite honestly, I was afraid to do it. I, I felt ashamed that I was divorced. Like being a, a divorced Catholic is, you know, it's frowned upon, even though my marriage is annulled <laughs> from the church. So basically my marriage to my ex-husband never really happened in the eyes of the church. And I was just really ashamed. I, I, I was ashamed about my divorce. I was ashamed of how I turned my back on God. I was just it was, it was a struggle for me. So my, my husband actually had me, you know, praying and, you know, working through things. We started listening to Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen and, um, the Catholic radio station. I, so I started doing that to kind of get my, essentially get my feet wet again, to get back into my religion. And so when he got back from Switzerland, we started going back to church every Sunday and I started incorporating prayer every day into my routine. And so it's been an evolving process knowing that I'm a cradle Catholic, but there was a time that I just didn't do anything. So uh, with his urging, we, we went, back to the, went back to church and I got reconnected in my faith and really became more deeply rooted in my faith and even more so than what it ever was, what I am with now. And so with my husband, he, it was really with him. I mean, he really was that, that driving force and that push and that loving nudge to just really got to get me to go back and, and to really just reconnect with God. So it's been, it's been a journey <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I yeah. think it always is because it's a relationship, right? And just yeah. like any relationship, I mean, I know for me, like thinking about like my earthly relationships, whenever I've had those just really raw and honest blow ups with people mm -hmm. thinking like, like my husband or my parents or, you know, where I just really express how 
hurt I am or how angry I am, like coming out on the other side of those experiences, the relationship is always so much tighter and so much um, more connected and much more understanding. And I think the same thing with God, when we go through those struggles with God, like it's something that we think sometimes we should shy away from, but I don't think so. If we want to truly have a relationship with him, we need to be authentic. We, he already knows. So there's no, it's not like we're keeping it a secret by having nice words with him when we pray, when we're frustrated with him, you know, he knows our heart. So I think, you know, such a beautiful testimony for you to kind of go through that journey and then start to mend that relationship with him and for him to deliver such an amazing gift. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only thing that my husband and I did differently was we prayed. I mean, that was, that was it. And that just with our, I believe with our power of our prayer and just us being just so devout, going to church and just having that faith that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And with his urging and me reconnecting and me just showing my, just showing my love and my gratitude towards God here, we received this, his grace, we received his miracle. And I really think that I had to go through those many years of what I call pure hell (laughs) in order to be able to just see the light, be able to get deeply rooted, be able to connect, repair that relationship, find the man that I was really supposed to be with, and then receive that blessing. I think it was just like that whole evolving process that I just had to go through it to just understand and to see. Mm, It's amazing. It's amazing. And I think, you know, too, it's just such a great testimony for other people who are going out there and maybe they're struggling with infertility. Maybe they're struggling with other things, but they just really feel that dark and that lonely place. But to, Mm -hmm. to hear the promise that God had for you and the future that he was holding on to for you that you could not possibly see nine years ago, 10 years ago. I hope that that gives someone hope. Oh, it's so beautiful the way everything works out. And now you guys have a, a beautiful yes. two and a half year old baby from all of this. He's not so much of a baby anymore. Two uh, and a half. I know. I still call my baby. He is, he definitely keeps me on my toes every day. <laughs> He's very <laughs> rambunctious. Um, most boys are, but I tell you what, that little man, he does not sit. He wants to be on the go all day long. You know, I still look at his face and I just, I'm amazed. I'm amazed and in awe that he's here. And I still have to pinch myself knowing that I'm a mom. Like it just still, even though it's been two and a half years, it's, it still feels like it's a dream. Mm. Like I just can't, I just can't believe it. What a blessing. And you have kind of gone full round with your faith. So the last question I have for you is one of the things we do every single episode of this podcast is we talk about the word of God, because it really is not something that's separate from who we are. It really should be incorporated into every part of who we are because that's what God wants from us. And we have seen through your story, the many blessings that when we partner our lives with God, the things that he has for us in such abundance. So what Bible verse do you have for us for this episode? Philippians 4.13. And it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I use that more often when I really need like the extra like to get something done where I'm really struggling. So it's like my power phrase. It's my way of seeing that he's always there. He's going to help carry me. He's always going to have his arms around me. Um, Whenever I'm fearful, he's going to be there. He's going to be my guiding light. He's going to guide me where I need to go and balance me out and give me that motivation. And just to know that no matter what's going on and no matter how much of a hot mess I may feel like in my life or how I may feel like I'm just being an utter failure some days, 
he's always going to have my back and he's always going to guide me and he's always going to give me that courage to keep going. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and very transparently about the struggles that you've had. And most importantly about the victories that God gave you and the blessings that he gave you and making you a mom. Thank you so much for coming on Kayla. Now, if people want to learn more about you, your story, your business and the services that you offer, uh, where can they learn more about you? Sure. So I can be found. I'm usually in my Facebook group the most. So my Facebook group is Fearless Entrepreneurial Women. And they can also follow me anywhere on social media under Kayla Brisey. But I appreciate you so much for letting me share my testimony and my story of. You know, as I was listening to this interview again, it's been a few months since I recorded it with Kayla. But as I was listening to this again, it really hit home for me just how much love stemmed from so much pain. And I think that that's so true in life. So whatever pain it is that you're feeling right now, know that there's going to be love on the other side. We know that God works all things together for good. And that's why I love this testimony series that we are kicking off with this episode. Because when we can hear stories of how God has shown up in other people's lives, it gives us so much hope on how he can show up in our life. Now, like I said in this episode, everyone's journey is different. But I think that from all of our journeys, by sharing them, Not only does it make our faith grow stronger and makes the enemy grow weaker because we're talking about the glory of God and what he's done in our life, but there's so much ministry that can be done with one heart to another when we're sharing each other's stories. So on that note, do me a favor and share this episode. You can easily, in whatever app you're listening to it on, click on the little share button and share out on Facebook, share out on social media. Would you do that? And tag your life rocks because I would love to be able to see that. And I certainly am praying over this episode that it would touch the right people, that it would touch the right hearts. Maybe someone who's struggling with infertility, maybe someone who's struggling from divorce, maybe someone who just is in need of restoration of love in their life. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode. It's kind of awkward (laughs) considering I'm my own sponsor for this episode of Your Life Rocks podcast for working Christian moms. But our sponsor is Life Balance Membership. If you are ready to create more balance in your life, I invite you to start your free seven-day trial by going to lifebalancemembership.com. Now, if you're not quite ready, but you know you need a little bit more structure in your life, go to weeklysuccessplanning.com. You can pick up my free course on how to uplevel your Sunday prep so you can really be successful in all of your goals by being prepared for the week ahead. Thank you again for hanging out with me today, and I'm super excited for next week where we get to share another testimony with you. Until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.